Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're that HR dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people ops leaders out there get rid of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process you call HR reporting. That's right. We know that most of you are using a lot of different disconnected HR systems, which is requiring you to pull messy, terrible spreadsheets from all these different places for you to understand one unified view of your employee data. But look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR dashboard with pre-built integration connectors to the most popular systems out there. So if you're using systems like Bamboo HR, namely ADP, Zenefits, Pelocity, 15.5, Lever, Greenhouse, Lattice, you name it. Too many for me to say without running out of breath. We can connect those systems to the dashboard and instantly pull in your data so you can view, track, share, and analyze all that data from one place. Please go to EmployeeCycle.com, check it out. We would love to give you a demo and explore how we can help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome Brad Dibel. He's the Director of People Ops at Wowza Media Systems. And today we're going to discuss why automation is necessary for small HR departments. Brad, welcome to the podcast. Brad, welcome! (laughs) Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks for being here. And so, Brad, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how. And that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Um, you know, I think it was interesting. I, the story actually goes back to undergrad, sitting in orientation, thinking I'm going to be a teacher. And in the school of education where I went to school, there was this thing called learning and organizational change. I said, holy cow, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And that's what I want to do. So I was one of six freshmen who joined that major as a freshman, finished my degree there, started out in consulting, you know, from a training standpoint, uh, did a lot of OD and consulting early on in my career. And then following business school, really tried to shift that focus over to an HR business partner role. And then from there have kind of matured in my HR career uh, to kind of add that breadth to the depth I had in, in training in OD, which kind of brings me uh, to HR from a slightly different angle than, than maybe coming someone who came up as an HR coordinator or that kind of thing. Awesome. And so, Brad, today we're talking about automation in a small HR department. And so what I would love for you to do is to describe what your HR department looks like today, but then also give us some background in regards to the company you came from previously so we could truly understand the difference between the resources and everything that you had available to you in your previous position. Yeah. So currently at Wowza, I'm the director of people ops. I've got a recruiter that reports to me. And then I've got uh, the SVP, who is the SVP of legal, corporate development, and people ops when it all comes down to it. And he's definitely uh, a great leader, but, but doesn't have a whole lot of HR background either. So very small uh, budget uh, and, and a very small team. And previously came from a Fortune 70 company uh, where you know, the resources and the centers of excellence were plentiful and, and, you know, having a major HRIS like PeopleSoft, um, and lots of other little systems as well to, to do all the great things that, that HR departments are looking to do. Awesome. And so before we get into some of these specific departments, 
where you're looking to apply automation now or would like to apply automation in the future, I first want to talk about what does automation in HR mean to you and why is it important? Yeah, I think that the, the data is so important these days, data for HR decision-making and, and to really bring HR to the table with the business, you've got to rely on data to do that. And doing data manually, as we all know, we've all poured through spreadsheets. Uh, I am terrible at them myself. I'm, I'm horrible at pivot tables and all that good stuff. And everything I do ends up being very manual uh, when you do data in Excel and trying to pull data and that kind of thing. And so I think that having data-driven decisions is extremely important. And by automating some of that data, that's going to free you up to do more of the cool OD things and the other you know, uh, employee engagement types of things that small little HR departments don't have the time to do because they're either putting out fires during the day or spending their day crunching through data to make sure that they are you know, with the rest of the business from a data model. So what are some of the areas that you're either currently in the process of automating or will soon be trying to automate shortly? Yeah, you know, I think performance management is one of them, right? You know, less than, I would say, 10 years ago or maybe 12 years ago, I I was at a company that was still using a Word doc and you'd type it into the Word doc and you'd scan it or email it back to the HR department and we would file it away. Uh, I think now we have a little bit of a system that we can use to you know, keep uh, employee performance reviews short and sweet, but then you still run into the problems of how do I best extract that data if I just want the answer to one question or, um, you know, just looking to see who falls into what category and then trying to take that data and build, you know, whether it's a compensation model off of that, um, that's kind of where we need to evolve to from a performance management perspective. But again, right, we've automated that to a degree and, and there's some successes there for sure. Uh, I think the other way to do it is kind of that rewards and recognition platform. I've I've made this joke many times in my career that says, if I could develop the best rewards and recognition platform, I would be a multi-billionaire. Uh, because to me, most R&R is a, not a one-size-fits-all, and you've got to kind of customize it to the company where you're at. And so right now, that is 100% a manual process, tracked on Excel spreadsheets. And, and you're tracking real dollars when it all comes down to it, whether it's for anniversaries or our values champions or you know on-the-spot recognition. And you know currently, I'm looking in to figure out and say, okay, well, if I was to do that myself, you know, once a month, how many hours would it take me on a monthly basis? And, you know, as I'm thinking about it and, and learning more on a daily basis about things, having only been here for two months, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there saying, wow, that could be up to four hours of my time every month. Uh, that's, you know, that's 10% of one week. And how do I then take that time and maybe find a system to automate all this stuff and make it better at the same time for you know a, a cost that that is tolerable for the amount of hours I would get to then go do more strategic HR work. Interesting. So let me ask you this: Is your performance management focus and also focus on rewards and recognition on automating those two areas? It, are you looking to automate those areas because you've already automated everything else? For the most part, or did you prioritize these two focus areas over, over other areas? Great question. No, no, definitely. You know, we, we do have a, a form of HRIS, so I can pull some data from that, but, but that's not integrated with these other two systems. And so I did prioritize these systems as saying, okay, 
These are things we've got to kind of bring up to scale because they are really important data and or financial impact for both of them. And and we need to be able to figure out how we can can kind of make these things that can take a lot of time, manual time and effort, uh, and the importance of them. So it's manual time and effort, importance, and then hopefully finding a solution that is of a reasonable cost to to automate those things to, again, like I said, free me up to do more strategic thought uh, leadership from an HR perspective and people ops. And just to drill down here as, as deep as we can go, when you say you prioritize them based off of importance, what are the key factors in regards to determining what's the most important area to focus on? Yeah, I think performance management always comes to the top of my list. I think there are many companies out there that that pretend that, hey, we're, we're performance management all the time and, and we really focus on that. And, and again, one of my old favorite sayings is your, your annual review should be the least important performance management conversation you have all year because that employee should know exactly what's going to be on there and, and really have that understanding because you've done that performance management all year long. And so for me, that is the best way to kind of increase employee engagement, make sure people always know where they stand, you know, through whether that's weekly one-on-ones, weekly check-ins, whatever you want to call it. Um, so to me, performance management really kind of rises to the top just from a general uh, general standpoint due to its, its uh, impact on employees and employees these days, you know, with all the technology work that's happening being, you know, one of the, if not the most important asset that any business has. When it comes to deciding which areas to focus, how do you determine how much it's going to cost to automate these different areas and how much of a factor is that when it comes to choosing which area you're going to focus on at that time? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And, and I think, you know, you're, you're probably catching me on a day after I was really uh, exploring our R&R program currently and figuring out how manual it was and saying, oh, my goodness, I need to go and, and look at some vendors for this uh, to even see what that cost is, right? I think software costs are, you know, really all over the board, quite frankly, in terms of what they'll do for you for your size and, and being a small company never gets you good price breaks. But I think it's it's analyzing, you know, your manual time and effort to do that thing and then saying, okay, take that away from the cost uh, and then thinking through, okay, what are the additional value I'm getting out of this? How is it so much better than I'm getting? And if you can justify those costs and then you actually have the, the cash flow to do that, um, you know, being able to make those decisions hopefully would be nice and easy because you're, you're like, it's paying for itself, you know, within days, weeks, or months. And how do you also decide as you're growing your HR and people team, whether a certain function or strategic initiative that you're looking to make happen should be managed by a person, or if it's just another thing that an existing team member can manage now with some software platform? Yeah, that makes that, that's another great question. I think, you know, from a people team perspective, I, I think, you know, you're looking at a certain size, you're looking at the types of programs you have and, and looking to say, what does that head cost versus, you know, if I automate two or three things and, you know, kind of spread that, that responsibility around, where, where does the scale tip uh, for me? So, you know, as of right now, I think, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable with where we're at uh, from a, a headcount perspective. It's probably a lot easier for me to add a small vendor or two than it would be for a headcount. So I think it's really about where the business wants to invest going forward. And then eventually, if you end up with enough platforms, you know, you need 
that integration piece, or you need someone to then manage all those programs and, and make sure that they don't get static and stale. But I think when they're all new and exciting, you're going to get a higher level of adoption. So hopefully the newness actually allows you a little bit of a runway before you need to really think about adding that headcount um, for, for managing all those different platforms and different programs that you come up with. And speaking of adoption, the most difficult adopter in some sometimes can be the employee just because they just don't end up using it or they don't like it. And then companies are trying to get them to adopt it and get buy-in to make sure that it's something that they're using consistently. And so when it comes to the change management of going from either pen and paper or spreadsheet or not having anything at all, and then implementing a new system, how do you make sure that this automation is, is welcomed? in a positive way versus there being a lot of backlash. Yeah. I think, you know, if you think about the two things we talked about, kind of that performance management system and that R&R system, again, I think you're thinking about those two things completely differently. But I think no matter what you're doing from an adoption perspective, I think really driving home the why is very important. Why are we doing this? Why do we think it's important? And explaining that also to our managers who have that you know, one-on-one relationship with those employees so that they can help explain what their why is uh, beyond what the company's why is of why they want their employees to do these kind of things and why they think it's important and how they're going to give them the time to do that. You know, especially from a performance management standpoint, you tend to think about automation, huh, it's still just a lot of work. And now I got to just type it into a form instead of, um, you know, onto uh, a Word document or whatever the case may be. And so there, I think you've got to show the, the benefits of the reporting with the automation, the benefits of ease of use, the way we can ask different kinds of questions, having a repository all in one place that'll actually save you some time on the back end. With something like R&R, um, I think you're talking about what are the benefits for the employee, right? Instead of having it go be this incredibly manual process, you've now got a bucket of points or cash or whatever, and you don't have to ask on how you're going to use those things or, or wait for the company to do something, you actually get to go be proactive and, and really kind of take the rewards the company has given you and figure out how you want to best utilize them without waiting on the company. Once they give them to you, they're yours and you go figure out what to do. So the why and the benefits, are, I think, are huge. Got it. And then my last question, speaking of the why and getting buy-in, I totally understand your previous comment about how to make sure you're getting buy-in from employees and management, but when it comes to your executive team and getting budget for this automation, we know that HR and people ops can sometimes struggle based off of being what too many, unfortunately, will look at and perceive HR to be as a call center or look at HR as being a non-revenue generating department, even though we here at Employee Cycle believe that HR is the most important department. But anyway... (laughs) How do you go about getting budget and buy-in from an executive or leadership perspective when you're trying to automate something so that it becomes more of an ROI conversation versus, I just don't feel like doing this manually anymore? No, that's a great question. I think it's it's not just saying, I don't feel like doing this manually anymore. What what more are you going to get out of me by saving me these hours and showing what that value is? And, And again, showing the value proposition for the employee uh, and, and helping them understand how this might make them more productive or more happy or increase engagement uh, or increase productivity, as the case might be, depending on what system you're talking about automating. And then I do think you need to try and show 
as much of a math problem from an HR perspective as you can and say, here's the cost and here's where the value is coming from. And if you can do a, you know, I'll, I'll fake a managerial accounting uh, exercise into HR and assign value to different things and talk about why you got to that value number. And hopefully your value then outweighs that cost. And, and even still, right, as, as you mentioned, we sometimes are on the low end of the totem pole there from a budget perspective, but at least then you've provided your rationale for spending that money and shown where that value is to help generate that ROI discussion. And then, you, you know, you've got to measure it as best you can and say, okay, hey, has productivity increased? Are we getting better engagement scores? Obviously, you're never necessarily tying it to just this one thing, but if this thing contributes to that, you are getting that value out of it and really showing what the true ROI is. And that's, again, that gets back to the, the data piece that I was talking about from an HR perspective. You've got to bring your data. You've got to know your numbers and you've got to help speak to the business as a business person. And that's where, that's where HR really needs to go. Brad, thanks so much for being such an awesome podcast guest. And I'm always, I'm always smiling when I hear guests talking about data and automation and the value of it, because that's what we do here. So (laughs) really appreciate you talking about that as well. And thanks so much for you just sharing your wisdom and your experience, especially as you're going through this process, because it's a very important topic as more HR leaders are looking to become more efficient. So thanks a lot. So Brad, where can people find you and Wowza Media Systems online? Uh, you can email me at brad.dibel, that's D like David, E-I, B like boy, E-L, at wowza.com. And Wowza Media Systems is also right at wowza.com. That's just a fun name to say, Wowza. It I is. Like I, it. I won't bore you with the uh, the story, but I think the you know from about 15 years ago, the About Us on there will, will tell you the story of Wowza. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact information in the show notes. So for everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Brad and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and a nice little note to show that we're providing great quality content. Also, if this is the very first time you're listening to one of our podcasts and now you're hungry for more and you enjoyed this one, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there. Please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.